We cannot out-hustle our beliefs. Hello and welcome to Shred the Should podcast. My name is Alex Katz. I'm a coach, speaker, and shredder of shoulds on a mission to help you shred your should shame so you can live a happier and more authentic life. So we're here with Mindy Hebner today. And so Mindy is a hypnotherapist, an NLP coach, mental performance coach, all sorts of things. But you know how I do on this podcast. We're not going to talk about what she does. We're going to talk about who she is. So Mindy, can you let us know? without telling us what you do, because I just did that. So now you can't, who you are. Yes. Although there was, uh, as you were saying, shred the sheer, a shredder of shoulds. Thank you, first of all, for the lovely introduction. Thank you for inviting me to be part of your community. I truly appreciate it. And I have to say, I am a rewirer of brains because you said shredder of shoulds. So this is my I would say Shred the Should is your three-word rebellion. I don't know if you know that book or not, but Rewire Your Brain is my three-word rebellion. <laughs> no, wait, what is the three-word rebellion? Okay, it is <laughs> no, it's right here on my bookshelf. Yeah, gonna... tell me more. It is create your own one-of-a-kind business message that grows your business into a movement. It's amazing. It's an amazing, not your norm marketing sort of book and you have your own three-word rebellion already and I love it like so could be it could be it is a movement and what we ultimately want is it's a movement without us we want people embracing shredding the should and going out and making that ripple effect right same with me and rewiring the brain like embrace it go out change the freaking world I love that yeah and I think we all have a component of needing to rewire our brains, right? And the thing that I always say is that you're never stuck. So if you've learned something, you can unlearn it, you can relearn it, right? We can replace habits. And I'm excited to hear you talk about that today. So you're a rewirer of brains. I love that. I do a lot of the same thing in my coaching, but I don't call myself a rewirer of brains, right? Because I'm a shredder of shoulds. So this is good. (laughs) So what does that mean? Like how, how does that show up in your life or in the work that you do? So for for me personally, part of it is reframing and my brain is so good at the reframe. I don't even know I do it 99.9% of the time. I remember sitting in a continuing ed class and reframe for those of you listening is literally looking at something through a different lens. We are reframing this meaning that we've given, this, this conclusion that we've drawn to be more empowering for lack of a better, right? We're gonna release the disempowering and step into the empowering. Brief, I had to do a practice session. So I was at Continue Net, I was with a bunch of other NLP practitioners and they're like, okay, reframe. You're gonna give your person a thing and you're gonna reframe it, right? Like your your person's, I couldn't like come up with like major negative things or disempowering things, really disempowering, not negative, disempowering. Because my brain just goes, find the silver lining, think it over, reframe it, look at, look at it from a different perspective. What are you learning? You know, who can you be moving forward? What can you release? What's a, what's a blessing that you get to release? So it was wild for me to see that this has just been an eight in me my whole life to automatically do this. I teach 
humans how to do it by pausing. So they'll say something, I'll say pause. Invited, of course, to say pause and teach them. <laughs> not, I'm not right. just walking around telling people. <laughs> right? That just that uh, unsolicited advice. Yeah. You know, you should really, uh, right? Like, mm. no, uh, notice that unsolicited advice comes with the word should in it. I know. There's every a there. time, right? Yeah. Right? And who wants that? No one. Gross. Right. So, inviting them to pause and then get curious about the words that they just said and how that makes them, <clears throat> excuse me, feel in their body, like the physical weight. Is this, does this give you energy? Does it take it away? Is it heavy or is it light? Really checking in like that. Cause once we start doing that, wow. Right. I, I as you know, the body tells the story, right? So you'll, you'll start turning in, tuning in a lot quicker to that. I had specifically a client, I remember this, we reframed many things about finances for her. This was several years ago. She's in healthcare and she had two kids with braces and like kids in dance and just all kinds of things. And the braces were really bothering her, the, the writing of the check for the brace. She's like, it's a lot of money. And so instead of looking at it as a bill that went out every month, we started talking about it. I said, well, what made you say yes to getting braces for your kids? She started naming off all these things. First of all, like oral hygiene, right? Like just healthier mouth, all kinds of things, as you know, can happen when our mouth is not healthy. Like just, you know, going from there, asking her those types of questions and what's what will doing this now do for them, have for them in the future? How will you be setting them up for success? All the questions that we tend not to ask, we just look at something as disempowering and we just let it be, right? So she started answering those questions. And I said, so is this really, I started to get really curious, is this really an investment in your child's inevitable success? Like two of them. Are you setting them up for success in the future in health, in optics? I mean, you know, maybe they want to be uh, right, like on stage or anything like that. And they want to put their best foot forward, like all the things. She was like, yeah, actually I am. Boom, reframe. She mm -hmm. could see all the gains in doing this for her kids in writing this check. So the next time she wrote a check, she was celebrating writing the check because she was investing in her kids. She was being the woman who, right? Like, yeah, it was amazing yeah. for her. And so that's just one example of a reframe for someone in finances when they're thinking about finances, but I'm constantly helping clients reframe failure, uh, things that don't go the way they wanted to go, bad relationships, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think finances are like an especially hard one because then it's like, depending on the situation, right? Where it's like, what is your money story versus like, are you going to be able to like pay rent and are you going to get evicted, right? So Absolutely. like different Absolutely. areas. But I do think that, yeah, reframing is something. So a lot of the people listening have heard me talk about reframes probably like every single episode and all my clients have me... <laughs> They hear me say it literally every single day. I used to do like a reframe of the day on my, in my Instagram, but I, you know, it's interesting because you were saying you just realized you've been doing it, you know, pretty much your whole life. And I think for so many of us, reframing is not automatic, right? Like right. It, it's a practice. And I do think that is probably one of the 
biggest tools I've talked about this before, like reframing, I think is the tool that has changed my life the most. And I first learned about it in college. I was in a counseling internship and we talked about choice theory, which you might be familiar with, but for anyone listening who doesn't know choice theory is kind of this idea of what, what you were saying, right? You have a picture in your head and then your reality doesn't match the picture. So that's where we get like upset, depressed, anxious, right? Where reality doesn't match the picture you have in your head. But a lot of times we've had this picture like our entire lives and we don't even know where we got it. And maybe it's a should, right? Like uh, a lot of my friends right now are experiencing that. I just turned 30 picture of like, should have all these things at 30. Right. And I'm like, who taught you that? But uh, you know, so you have this picture and then it's like, well, what can you do, right? Do you change the picture to match your reality? Do you change your reality to match the picture? Do you come up with something in between? And so there's a lot of cognitive dissonance there, but when it comes to reframing, I'm constantly pushing clients. And, and the way that we talk about it now, it's not even a reframe. It's like, what would Alex say? Like one of my clients texted me yesterday and she was like, this thing happened. And I realized I was being really hard on myself and I couldn't think of a reframe because my brain still doesn't you know, work like that. So I was like, okay, well, what would Alex say? And then I realized all these reframes. And so I think sometimes it's like, you know, we are so much nicer to other people than we are to ourselves. 100, 100. Right. So the way I like to think about reframing is like, if a friend came to you and was being really hard on themselves, what would you say to them? And it's not just the, like, you know, I feel dumb. Oh no, you're not right. It's like, it's not that it's like, okay, how can we creatively problem solve or creatively look at this situation or this feeling differently? Right. Right. Yes. And this is because you asked me at the beginning, which I like stealthily avoided uh, (laughs) about who I am. This is about who we are and who we get to be. This is all about identity and identity is the magic, right? We can muscle our way to something, to an outcome that that's not sustainable. And this is how I came to be uh, a woman who embraces rest breeds productivity and creativity, where for the first too many years of my life, without knowing, I believed that rest was lazy. Mm. And so that was at my core, my identity driven, and I'm still driven, the constant hustle that I am not, I, I do aligned hustle, uh, I hustle when I plan to hustle. There is no 24 seven sleep when you're dead, live off coffee and sugar. Like that's not, that's yeah. not sustainable. And I finally figured that out in my very uh, late thirties, early forties. I that's think a reframe, right? Like that's huge. a huge reframe. I'm always trying to get clients to get is like, it's not, you know, so your default, right? So thinking about reframes, what you learned is you got to go, go, go all the time, right? Like, I'm sure you can think of where you heard that or where you learned that in your life, right? Sure. Oh, absolutely. And not only was it modeled, and that's the thing, right? From zero to seven, we're just this giant subconscious that everything comes at us and we just take it all in. And so then it was modeled to me through work ethic, which isn't a bad thing, right? Like like working and and working to provide, that's not that's not a bad thing. It's when that scale tips. And not to mention the world too. And what do we see? I mean, that hustle to your dead, I didn't make that up. That's marketing. That's 
you know, a very popular segment of the coaching, self-help, whatever world, right? Everything, everything. Like we're a country of immigrants, right? So like it's, we have all these people that are like, I'm, I'm the daughter of immigrants. So it's like, you know, people coming into this, this place being like, we have to work really, really hard because American dream, right? Like, yeah. And that's that's everywhere. Not, it ain't so dreamy. (laughs) It's not sustainable. That's what I realized for me. And maybe for some people it is sustainable. The constant 24 seven hustle. It was not sustainable for me in the moment. I reframed the moment I released the limiting belief that this is how life is. And this is how you are successful right? Like the moment that I released that I felt better physically, I, my business took off like so many things and I was already successful. I was already making great money. I was, I, I was already all the things it was, and I was upper limiting and boom, we are so powerful, right? We think a thought, it becomes an I am, which are some of the most powerful words in the universe. And then we create habits to prove it to ourselves. So we have empowered habits and disempowered habits. And that was, you know, I'm a hustler was a disempowered habit for me, right? Like, like that I'm not, I I am the opposite of lazy was a disempowered habit for me because it wasn't allowing me to rest. It wasn't allowing me to tap into all that comes in when we receive, when we, when we be, right? We're human beings. And when, when we embrace the be, and let things come to us. That's where all the creativity and productivity comes from. We fill that tank to then take that aligned action, hit those outcomes. And the magic is we're casting votes to become the human who the whole time we're shifting our identity. Ooh, yes. So many good things that you said there that I want to go back to and touch on. So, you know, when you were talking about how it's in our marketing, it's in our culture, right? So I also do like a lot of body image cult, uh, coaching and all these things where I'm constantly saying who's profiting off of making you feel the way that you feel about yourself, right? Like diet industry is $78 billion industry just in the US alone. So when we think about productivity culture, it's the same thing. Like I constantly am going on rants about this where it's like, if all you are doing is working, then you are too burnt out and too exhausted to recognize the structural issues in the system that's keeping you burnt out and exhausted, right? Like we have no energy to, to do anything at all, you know, and make, make things better in our world. But also you're saying that, you know, for you, it's not sustainable, right? I don't think that's a for you thing. I think that, I think we can all do it until we reach the point of it negatively impacting our health. And it's just a matter of when, not a matter of if. And so then it goes back to, well, who's profiting off of this? Because we work ourselves to the point of literally being sick. And it again, like not a matter of if, but a matter of when, like I used to work 80 hour weeks and I prided myself on the fact that like, I could, you know, I didn't need sleep. Oh my God. For years, literally for years, I was getting like three to four hours of sleep. And then guess what? I got really sick, you know, and I would override like, and I still, it's, I think kind of going back to what you said before, it's, it's about intention, right? So Mm -hmm. at one point when I was doing that, that wasn't like, oh, I need to prove something. It was like, I was, you know, I left my abusive home at 17. I was homeless. Like, you know, so 80 hour weeks was like a survival thing. But then my nervous system got stuck on high of like, hey, we're doing this, you know? And so I think like for a lot of people and a lot of my clients, it's 
self-worth is wrapped up in what you do. So, okay. I'm going to say to you, not a lot all, right? (laughs) Like at some point we bump up against this self-worth thing, even to just get curious. Mm -hmm. Oh, what, when did I decide? Yeah. And who am I being right now? And it, it's, there's no shame or guilt. I, I'm constantly reminding my clients, humans, anyone that will listen. There's no, there's no place for shame or guilt that it's, you get to get curious. That's yeah. it. We're going to ditch the judgment and we're going to get curious about when did I decide this? What could be different? Who am I being? Who do I want to be? All the questions, you know, the quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions that we ask, right? Mm -hmm. And so instead of digging into why am I like this, which is a joke, right? Like it's a meme all the time. Why am I like this? I talk to my clients about why is a really useful question when we are dreaming and casting and scheming and visioning why is a beautiful question why why do i want this why am i setting this goal why is this outcome important to me why is this relationship all of those things what will having that do for me why 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 seven wise deep is beautiful when we're setting goals outcomes visioning all those things the moment that we are done with that when we ask why the very first thing that happens is we say because and we tell a story that we are so rehearsed in why am I like this? Well, because I bop, bop, bop. Well, why do I always do this? Well, because da, da, da. There's, there's honestly, for, in my experience, there's no point. I'm not a therapist. We're not going to dig into the why that you want to keep going back to this. What we can dig into is the what, when, how moving forward. This is where we step into, okay, well, this is who I'm being. No shame, no guilt. Like, thank you for getting me here because we're pretty amazing. You got me here. And now, from now on, in the future, next time, notice no should in there. Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. Mm -mm, That word is out of the vocabulary. From now on, in the future, next time, I'm going to get curious. I'm going to take a beat and breathe and see who I'm being and if that's who I want to be. I'm going to, and then we empower ourselves about moving forward as opposed to being stuck in the why and the well-rehearsed story that's just like a rut in the snow, right? Like anyone, or rut in the mud, depending on where you live. (laughs) Uh, You get stuck in it, it's easy to continue, right? It's the known and the brain loves the known. So as we create that new neuropathway, that new highway that we wanna get on, as we get out of that old one, it's uncomfortable and it's the good kind of uncomfortable when we are looking towards growth and shredding the should. Mm, Yes. I love that. And I think that even if you recognize that a behavior isn't serving you anymore, we continue to do it because it's comfortable. Like even if it feels really icky and uncomfortable, it's still familiar, right? So it's still a sense of safety. And so something you said there about, you know, no judgment, I'm always talking about non-judgmental awareness of current habits, thoughts, whatever the thing is, because like you said, that did protect us at some point, right? Like every, and, and I love actually, so something you say that nobody else has said on here before and it's very similar to what I say, you don't say good or bad habits. You said empowering versus disempowering. And I love that because 
I was reading, um, oh, what is it? Atomic Habits. And everyone's like, have you read this? And like, yeah, you've got it on your bookshelf. And it, and it's so I started reading it recently and it's very much what I teach, but I also just think that's like my educational background, right? Like I'd never read it and people are like, oh, you sound just like this guy. And I'm like, okay, let me read this thing. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. But like one of the things that he talks about in there, he says good or bad habits and I'm reading it and I'm like, mm, I disagree because- <laughs> Me too. <laughs> right? I literally was reading it this week. I was like sick in bed. I'm like, let me read this thing. And I was just like, no, I don't, I don't like this because- I do think that all habits have served a purpose in our lives and have gotten us. So like, for example, if I'm a nail biter and I don't want to bite my nails anymore because like at 30, that doesn't serve me. Maybe at one point as like a little kid who didn't have my emotional needs met, biting my nails stopped me from doing some other more destructive behavior, right? And so now it doesn't serve me anymore, but I can also hold myself and thank myself and be like, hey, cool, you figured that out as like a six-year-old, good job. Now, how do we move forward from that? Right? I'm just gonna say, uh, no shade to James Clear either. I love his, I love his book. And I have this uh, unique, probably not unique. I have this ability to take glean the good stuff right and like yep. yeah good and bad habits disagree and I'm gonna move on right I, there are some pieces mm -hmm. in in atomic habits that I I absolutely love oh, I yeah, love casting sure. the vote good and bad started for me in health coaching because mm. uh, my very first certification was a health coach and when we deem food good and bad, then we yeah. tend to deem ourselves good and bad based on what salad is good, brownies are bad. Uh, bullshit. Right. And when you right? say things bad, you crave it more, right? Because it, you put something off limits, brain likes restrictions. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And to your point, this was a protection, a coping mechanism. It is, it served me at the time that I needed it. And it was funny that you said bite your nails because I had, I, I had had a, a nervous habit and I'm not mm -hmm. nervous. So like a, just this inane habit of picking and uh, it's been a year and I don't know, it's been over a year. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and I, what I said was, Hey, I, cause you said as a 30 year old woman, I'm like, look, as a 49 year old woman, <laughs> this is not attractive. This does not serve me. I do not look down and see the hands of a of an intelligent, successful woman when I am doing this. It it was something that I was doing. It is now disempowering to me, and it's time it's time for me to release this mm -hmm. and step into. I want my hands to match who I'm being, mm -hmm. and so I started then releasing the like, huh? I would notice. I'm like, okay, well, if I have really nice hands, then what? uh action steps am I going to take towards that one it what inaction obviously I'm not going to pick anymore and I'm not going to like beat myself up when I do I'm going to notice it and then I'm going to move on I'm going to check in like there's something going on like what what's what's causing this but a big thing was like having every form of moisturizer available to then take care of myself, like look at it as a, as a ritual of caring for my hands instead of not. And then caring for myself was the bigger mm. thing in there. And it, there was no shame or guilt. And it was just like, okay, this doesn't serve me anymore. I don't like the way it looks anymore. So mm. I'm over it. I'm going to yeah. move on. You know, going back to the piece of who do I want to be, right? And am I somebody who does this and why we don't want to put shame or guilt around the habits that we have is because a lot of the habits we have are 
as a result of shame or guilt, right? Like if we feel, if you're biting your nails and then you feel shame or guilt around biting your nails, then you're going to go back and bite your nails more to cope with the shame or guilt that you have, right? So I think that's one reason why we don't want to associate shame or guilt. It's just getting curious of like, well, how did I learn this? What am I doing? And what do I want to be doing instead? And then I think if anyone's listening to who maybe is not, like I'm not somebody who's necessarily driven by external things or aesthetics or like, I, I don't paint my nails. Like I don't give a shit how my hands look. Although I have a little bit of nail polish because I let a four-year-old paint them. That's like the kind of the thing that I'll do. So for me, you know, it didn't matter. Like I tried painting them or I tried, you know, and I, and I think a lot of clients that I work with have experienced something similar where they're like, oh, if I like get a brand new planner or if I like rearrange my space or if I, right. And like, it doesn't work. And so, and it can sometimes, but for the people who are listening and they're like, that doesn't necessarily work for me. Um, I have an idea and then I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on other ideas too. But, you know, going back to how the why doesn't necessarily serve us. I like looking at the why, but not in the sense of like, let's unpack all of your trauma. But I think kind of understanding, okay, this is, you know, the path that you've always taken and where have you gotten stuck? Like you've tried to change this in the past. So what have you done to try to change it? Where have you gotten stuck? Because I think something I like to do is recognize, well, where where can we pattern interrupt, right? And we have to kind of figure out what that is. So if you don't know what pattern interrupting is and you're listening to this, it's like not the point where you do the behavior, it's the point right before you do the behavior, right? So if you are biting your nails and you are you like can at least one, gain awareness of the fact that you're doing that. Cause I think a lot of times like we just do it and we're like, oh, I just did the thing, whoops. Or like I work a lot with clients who struggle with binge eating or emotional eating and they'll recognize it like as they're doing it or after they're doing it and it's like what led up to that exactly right yeah Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. then it's like understanding well why am I doing this what behavior do I want to do instead and what is something that I can do to like break that so not necessarily like doing the new behavior but even before that you know can I take a breath can I leave the situation can I and it's that checking in with yourself of well what do I need because if I'm biting my nails it means I need something and I'm not getting it so I'm giving it to myself through biting right exactly and I I use this same example with my clients all the time and what I say to them is we don't typically go from zero to 60. So I can think of one client who would get real panicky and anxious and would find herself at a 10. And I, I'm like, occasionally we could just be at a 10. I, yes, absolutely. Normally, right. We start ramping up. And so we would work on recognizing okay, can we recognize it a minute before we're out of 10? Can we recognize it, you know, 10 minutes before we're out of 10? So dialing it back so that they can then tune in, just like, just like you're saying. And why am I, why am I feeling like this? Or what, what makes me feel this way? It's just that because story that we can get so ingrained in that when we switch up the wording, like what is making me feel this way? We look more at well, this happened. Well, this happened. Well, I did. Oh, I didn't eat or I didn't. I actually didn't get enough sleep or I felt off about this. We get to start to recognize, I think a little easier sometimes when we release our stories around how we act. They're so well rehearsed 
for oh, us yeah. that it, it can be difficult to reframe. I have found in my experience with my clients, with uh, people in general, when we're having this type of uh, invited conversation. So yes, finding something to pattern interrupt, taking a breath always. I love tapping. I don't know if you're an EFT fan, but I, I, I love emotional freedom technique. Even feeling the chair beneath you. Okay. If you're, if you're sitting in the chair and you're, how can I feel safer in my body? Like what's, what is causing me to want to go dive into the Ben and Jerry's, right? Hit the drive-through for a large fry, like what, whatever it is. Cause we know that that actual thing, especially if we're talking about emotional eating, nine times out of 10, we don't actually want the Ben and Jerry's. We want the feeling that it's going to give us. We want the safety. We want the comfort. We want all the meanings that we've attached to the Ben and Jerry's. And yeah. you know, sometimes we just want the damn Ben and Jerry's right. and that's okay too, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and recognizing, okay, the pattern that we're in, right? She thinks this, or he thinks this. We, as humans, we think this, that triggers this emotion and this feeling. And then here we are in that habit pattern, right? Cue, response, for what, like the whole, the whole deal that goes on for us there. So yes, I love pattern interruption. Use it continuously with clients, continuously get up, go take a breath, like walk around your desk, you know, get outside, do, do something to stop the momentum of whatever's happening when you can. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you brought up a really good point that it's a very, very fine line between understanding what's bringing us to do something and using it as a crutch, right. And using it as a story. And so that's a conversation I have frequently with clients where it's like, how do I know if this is just me understanding what's going on versus me making excuses, right? And I think part yeah. of it is being really real with ourselves because so for me, a lot of habits that I've broken or relearned have, have been through understanding, well, okay, what was the trigger here? What was the story I was telling myself that led me to this point? And then the what do I need question, I literally have people put that on post-it notes, like by wherever they tend to slip into those habits because it's like, yeah, some, some need is not being met. So like, if you, like, I'm, I've been very honest about this on here before. Like I used to punch walls, like I was a wall puncher. Right. So that was a habit that I broke. And so for me, it was like, I had to understand what my story was. I had to understand that my trigger was feeling like I wasn't being heard and not being able to then say what I needed. Right. And so there was a point where it's like, I knew I was getting triggered. I knew I was getting very like, like heart rate was getting elevated. Right. But I wasn't paying attention to it. It was just like, yeah. I do this because this, like, I exactly. This way, right. And I had to be like, no, no, no. Like, okay, yes, understand why you do this. And what is the response you want instead? And what is the point? where you could pattern interrupt and break this. Cause if you're at the point where you want to hit something, it's too late. Like, you know, your nervous system's too elevated. You got to bring that down. So, mm -hmm. you know, and then it's like, we tend to replace habits with other destructive habits until we actually understand what need is not being met. So if I'm emotional eating or I'm biting my nails or I'm whatever, it's like, well, do I feel lonely? Mm -hmm. Do I feel overwhelmed? Do I feel stressed? Do I feel like I'm not being heard. So being able to ask yourself, and it's a lot of reparenting, right? Because we learned this because at some point we had a need that wasn't being met. We didn't know what to do. So we did the best we could. 
And now as adults, we get to figure out how to meet our needs the same way we would if we had our own child, right? And I talk about this all the time with clients because like a lot of my clients are in that stage of, hey, we're we're 30, we're going to have kids, which if that's your thing, cool, you know, but I said like, what would you do? Or they already have kids. And I'm like, well, how do you handle this with your kid? Do you handle it the same way you handle it with yourself? Exactly. And that is a beautiful, I love using, you said, be like, what would you tell your friend? Uh, almost all of my clients who are, you know, well, some of them are in their thirties, but most of them forties to fifties, they are parents. And it is very like asking, how would you handle this with your child? If your child was saying these things about themselves, doing, doing these habits, like having these disempowered habits or patterns or whatever it is, what would be happening then? And that is a, a beautiful way for them. I talk, I talked to them about like stepping back and watching a movie and seeing the interaction. And when we can step back, then we have the ability to let, to let go. Like, let's just watch this on the screen and kind of let it play out so that we can then recognize where we can say yes. What can I say yes to in this situation that's empowering for if it's in a relationship or or if we really are talking about me. And once I'm able to recognize something I can say yes in, then I can take some action, right? I can either take inaction by stopping doing something or I can take action or working on doing it less or recognize like whatever that looks like. And that's the, for me, that's the way we start to shift our identity as we step back from all that it is and we let go like let's get curious right we let go of judgment we let go of all the attachments because what is uh, and i don't i don't know if it's buddha or i don't know who says this but uh the root of all suffering Mm -hmm. is attachment Mm -hmm. right and and so we get so attached to outcomes and what people say and i you know what happens when we do that just all of it we we become so attached to it that the moment that we can step back and let go and watch it on a movie screen we can then see where where can i say yes like what would be the place that there would be ease and joy in showing up not easy not a freaking party all the time necessarily however where could there be more ease where could i find some joy in showing up for myself and saying yes in releasing how this was in making a word swap you talk about shredding the shoulds. This is huge for me. And when people are like, well, what, what can we do to rewire our brain? Well, one of the simplest things, and I say simple because it's not always easy. One of the simplest things is to release some words that you have used out of habit your whole life and start recognizing those patterns because that's probably one of the simplest ways to rewire and start stepping into Okay, well, I'm no longer going to say I should have. This is something I teach my client. And I already said it from now on in the future and next time. Instead of I should have done this. From now on, I'm going to do this in the future. And next time we release all that guilt and all that shame. Should is a could with shame smeared on it, right? Like it, it, yeah. it doesn't serve us at all. And so making some really intentional word swaps is a simple way to rewire your brain. What if you 
released the need to say, but all the time. Now, there are times when a really big but <laughs> is exactly what you need. However, most of the time, but ends, it ends a conversation, it closes a door. Yes, Alex, I hear what you're saying, but here's what I have to say. Boom, right? We really negated what the person said before us or what the thought was before that. So instead, if I said, yeah, Alex, I really hear what you're saying. And all of a sudden, like so expansive, so limitless. And but is a limitation. It It's this closed off thing. And just that swap alone, people will start experiencing, like they won't even know. Why do I feel so expansive? What is this feeling in my chest, in my body? What is going on? Well, you, you just allowed yourself to see the possibilities to be open, to quit fighting for your limitations for that big old butt and, and start stepping into your limitlessness. Doing word swaps is a huge way that actually is simple and can have a lot of ease in it. Yeah, a hundred percent. But to and is a big one that I've done over the years too. And it really does make a difference. And I, even without telling clients to make the swap, I just do it in conversation with them and just watch them start to do it too, you know? And that's been really fun for me because it is, it's true. When you change your language, it literally changes your life. I talk about the, you know, so I used to struggle with depression a lot. And in college, I really felt like, you know, I had no friends. I've talked about this on here before, but even just using the same word in a different way. So like, I remembered sitting in the library, looking at this group of girls and being like, oh, why can't that be me? And then I had this moment where something clicked and I'm like, why can't that be me? Right. So I was looking at them and I was noticing like, you know, this joy, this laughter, this confidence, this whatever that I wanted to embody. And I had this feeling of like, what, like what's wrong with me that that's not me. And then I was like, stop that, you know? And that was my first, and I, I always reference this because I know it's not my first time that I've swapped, but it was the first time that I actually felt something fire differently in my brain mm -hmm. when I did it. And I don't know even how to explain what that felt like, but it, you know, people talk about like a light bulb moment or fire. Yeah, an epiphany. Like yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I felt it light up differently. And ever since then I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, even using the same word, but the intention behind it matters. And so, you know, I'm constantly talking to clients about reframes and wins and how can we celebrate things differently or, you know, who, who taught you that? Where did you learn that? Why, you know, and I think even just the same thought or the same word, but with a different intention and, and with a different intention, right? With a different intention goes a really, really long way. And so a lot of us have been taught to try, I was going to say to shame ourselves, but I'm going to say try because we know it doesn't work, right? A lot, of, a lot of us have been taught to shame ourselves into change. And this is why, and something I wanted to talk with you about because we got New Year's coming up, right? This is why every single year, I don't do New Year's. If y'all listen to my podcast this time last year, you heard this, I'm not a fan. And I think part of that is because growing up, my mom had this expectation that on New Year's, so I had between December 31st to you know midnight that next day to just snap my fingers and become an entirely new person, right? She's like, okay, this is the year that you're gonna whatever. And so I would like, get the new journal and I would set the intentions or the goals. And there were no one, there were no clear action steps behind how I was going to do that. It was just like, this is, this is what I'm going to do, or this is who I'm going to be. But then two behavior change doesn't 
work like that. And then three, part of the reason it doesn't work like that is because we try to do everything at once, right? We have like this overnight, I'm going to flip how my brain's been working for all these years. And so then we try to shame ourselves. We're like, oh, you know, this is the year that I'm going to like weight loss is a big one that happens this time, right? This this is, which is, I'm, I'm not a fan of that, but we know that. So, you know, it's like, this is the year that I'm going to, I'm going to do this. or I'm going to do that. And and it's all coming from a place of shame instead of, and here's what I want you to talk about instead of a place of self-love and what you said, casting votes for the person you want to be. Right. So can you talk a little more about that? So I want to, before I forget, (laughs) you talked about celebrations. We as humans, most of us do not sit in the celebration long enough. And that's because our brains are like Velcro for negativity and Teflon for positivity. And this is from a book I read, right? And I can't forget it. I can't unsee it. That is literally what happens. I can tell you I was in sales for 20 years. I could tell you every person that bounced a check on me. Now, could I could I equally tell you all the people that paid in full happily, right? No, no. We don't sit in the celebration long enough. What we do is we hit it. We're like, ooh, I X, Y, Z, insert outcome here. Okay, what's next? We're on this constant go instead of allowing ourselves to sit in the celebration of who we were to get to this place. We were casting votes for the vision. We were being the human who, and the way to continue to be that human is to prove to our brain that we're already freaking them. We we are just continually making choices toward that next level version, that whatever you want to call it, right? Us 2.0, who we already are on the inside that we're just continually unlocking and rewiring. And so celebrations are vital. I'm encouraging everyone to celebrate everything. (laughs) Recognize where you showed up for yourself. It's vital to recognize that for yourself so you can continue to do it. All of that. Now I needed to get that out of the way. Yeah. So habit, habit change, trying to do everything all at once. We cannot out hustle our beliefs either. There's no magic day on the calendar. I am not a new year's resolution person either. Any day, if, if you need a magic day, make it Monday. <laughs> Monday, I'm going to show up for myself. <laughs> like like there, there's no magic day that makes all those things happen. And like you said, clear steps who do I want to be and what will being that human do for me? And what are the gains in being this? And are there any losses in being this human and really get clear about it? Like, this is where we talk about casting a vision. Like, what does it look like to feel really good in my body? You talked about, you talked about that as well. So sustainability, especially if we're talking about our health and our, and our bodies, we cannot hate our bodies into health or shape. We can only love them into health or shape. There is a moment of, this could be a jumping off pad. If we get to the point of, okay, I hate this situation. I hate the way I feel like those, I I don't want to be here anymore. That can be a motivator that we can then turn into a toward outcome, a toward 
go goal, a toward motivation. Big difference. There's no sustainability in the hate, right? There's no sustainability in the shame. We can't keep on a path that, that we think is going to move us toward who we want to be, the health level that we want to have, uh, the energy levels that we want to have. If we're continually shaming and hating and disempowering ourselves where we're at, that those two things just don't jive with each other. We cannot hustle our beliefs. So if our belief is that we are in, you know, like we're shameful <clears throat> because of how our body is right now, and we're not worthy of X, Y, Z, and all the we getting here, like you can't get there from here. Yeah. You can get there. You get to start thinking a different thought, thinking a greater thought, recognizing that you can take this thought out and look at it, that you can be amazing and perfect the way you are and want to evolve. This is that there's no, oh, well, I should be grateful. Like, I'm being selfish if I want to, right? We we put all these like black and white, this or this. No, you get to hold both truths. You're a masterpiece and a work in progress, right? Like you get to hold both truths for yourself. And so that forward moving toward what we want, that energy of moving toward, this is how we create outcomes that we want and cast votes for being the human who is is that moving toward it, is loving ourselves into making choices that empower us and getting real curious about when we're not. Yeah. Yep. And I like the and, this is where the and comes back in. And I think part of the reason that shame doesn't work is because a lot of the behaviors we're trying to change, we developed from a place of shame, right? Like you feel shame about something. So like, let's, let's go back to food, right? Like you, ate a box of cookies, you feel shame that you ate the box of cookies. So now you're like, oh, well, I should just like eat everything else because like I already messed up. So right. it doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you're talking about how you can't out hustle your beliefs. And as you were talking, I was thinking about one client who, and, and, you know, I see a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors, but I was thinking about one client who literally we would figure out where they were getting stuck. We would make a plan, you know, we would all the stuff. And then it kept coming back to, but what if I don't stick to it? And so she saw herself as somebody who gives up, who doesn't stick to plans, right? Who like, and, and we, I, the way that I coach, I am like past path of least resistance. So we are going to start with the smallest, most attainable, exactly. right? Like we're not setting the goal of I'm going to wake up two hours earlier. We're starting with like, five minutes, right? Like yeah. we're, we're going small. Same. So, so Same. right. So right off the bat for her to be like, well, I'm worried that I won't sustain this more than like two months. Well, it's like, okay, well you see yourself as somebody who can't stick to things, right. Who doesn't show up for yourself. And so it doesn't matter. Like people are always like, give me a meal plan or give me this. And like, I don't do meal plans, right. But people always want somebody to tell them exactly what to do to fix the problem. And it's like, even if somebody writes out for you, like, you're going to work out at this time. You're going to eat this. You're going to do this. Like people always want that because they think that's what they need. When in reality, it's like, no, you don't trust yourself to mm -hmm. stick to this thing. You're not consistent. You're not following through. And it's like, well, what is, what is the story? So I think that's a really good example right off the bat of like, you know, she, she, and she feels like she needs to just scrap everything. Yeah. And she feels like she needs to scrap everything and start everything over all the time in terms of actions, because she doesn't want to look at the identity. And until yeah. we look at the identity and the stories, 
none of the actions matter. Exactly. Exactly. The identity is so vital. And for people who are like, well, I, I heard this great example of identity. So I quit smoking 27, 28 years ago. Okay. So in my identity, I am a non-smoker. I do not wake up in the morning and think, I wonder if I'll smoke today. This is not even when we are in, truly immersed in an identity, those type like that's not even a thought, right? As a non-smoker. I am the identity of a human who loves to move their body. It is not a question of if, it's when, right? Like this is in my identity. I and there's I have all these gains from it, I have all this proof from it for me, how strong I feel, all, all those things, right? My level of energy. And when an identity, I love that you use the example of your client, when an identity is no longer expansive for us, when we recognize that an identity isn't serving us, we get to then expand that identity. So I would be curious to say to her, like if she believes that she doesn't, uh, can't stick to things, doesn't follow through, whatever the exact wording was that you said, I would say, I would like you to think about a time when you did follow through. I would like you to think about a time when you stuck to something. See, I, I work with women in business. So normally, air quotes, we're talking about business. However, it always comes back to who you are, right? And who you are transcends everything, not just your business, right? Like who you are is who you are. And so I will say, I just said to a client when she said something similar, hey, I want you to think of a time when you did stick to it. I want you to think of a time when you did follow through. And it's okay if it wasn't in business. Like anytime you followed through, anytime, yeah. let's start finding the proof that yep. you're a woman who can follow through. Maybe it doesn't happen as consistently as you like. However, you're already her. You're already, you already know how to be this, this human. Let's start casting votes from being the human. Show yourself the proof. I yeah. love to show people they actually can, they actually are. And occasionally, of course, there's, I have no proof of this. This is a brand new thing. And then we look for inspiration and what resources does this, this inspiration, Alex is a resource. She's done X, Y, Z. I've never done this before. Okay, so she's an inspiration to me. Well, what resources do I have that Alex has? And what resources can I find so that I can start to cast votes to be this version of myself, even though I believe I don't have any proof that I've ever shown up in this way before? Yeah, I do the same thing. I call it a trust resume. And because <laughs> cool. people are always like, how do I become more confident? Or how do I, right? And it's like, you become more confident when you learn to trust yourself. How do you learn to trust yourself? It's how have I showed up for myself? And I think so many people are so busy showing up for everyone else except themselves because that's something we've learned and that's a, that's a should, right? Are you consistently making choices, thoughts, behaviors that contribute to who you want to be? Or are you consistently putting votes in the other category? And I've had clients say to me that they don't really actually care enough about themselves to like put votes into the current or future boxes. And so if you're listening to this and that's you, and, and I'd love your thoughts on this too, but if you're listening to that, something that I've found to be helpful is 
thinking back to a younger version of you and what you think that version needed or deserved that they didn't get right and can you cast votes even though it's you know it's current and future you it's also casting votes for that younger version like what did they need that they didn't get and can you give that to yourself now and so you know 10 year old me is looking at me now 10 year old me would be like hey do you really want to be, you know, like punching walls? At, you know, is that like, I haven't done this in like 10 years, right? I stopped at like 20, but 10 year old me would be looking at that and being like, how did we get here? Is that really what you want to be doing? Right. And so, so that's something that I found that helps. Or like, if you, I'm a big fan of internal motivation. I don't love making decisions based on, on external factors or other people, but I have found, you know, I have a client who, it, it, he literally does not care about his health at all. Like he does not. Um, and because he doesn't care about himself. Right. And that self-worth is something that we have to build, but the only thing that he wants in life is, is validation from his parents. It's like the only mm -hmm. thing that he wants. He's like mm -hmm. mid to late thirties at this point. And, you know, I, and, and he's at the point where like, I'm, I'm worried about his liver and like, you know, based on, on tests that have come back. And I said, well, if you have to have like the surgery, like if you don't make changes and you have to have the surgery, who's paying that bill? Who's taking care of you? Right. And it's like, oh, that's your parents. Right. And so it's like, if you don't care about yourself, there is somebody who out there who does care about you. Right. Or who you do care about more than yourself. And it's like, well, you know, and again, I don't love the external validation, but I think sometimes we need a jumping off point of like, what if I loved myself as much as I loved these other people? Or what sure. if I loved myself as much as these other people <clears throat> love me? How would I treat myself? Right. So yeah. I agree. I, I don't, I don't know that I have uh, a lot to add to that. That is like, I internal, internal motivation for me does personally does look external mm. like for me it depends right in it's uh losing the clutter in in my thoughts then also is less clutter and you and I'm a minimalist so but this is a this is a practice that I've been practicing and so the less cluttered my thoughts are right the more clear my thoughts are the more clear my space is the more so I can see the internal motivation to release things that are blocking me, let go of things that aren't serving me, that shows up externally, I think in my in my desire to be a minimalist, to not have things that things that I don't that don't necessarily serve me. And the things that I do have are very empowering to me. And uh, they bring me a lot of joy or they really help create a very sanctuary feeling space where I can show up at my highest and best. And so those things can be connected mm -hmm. for me, the internal and the external. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. and I think it's also even a little different for you too, because you're not like basing all of your behaviors on another person, mm -hmm. right? It's just like how the internal shows up versus I know a lot of us have done the thing where we're like dating someone and we feel like we need to change everything about ourselves or this yeah. person. And then yeah. we end up splitting and it's like, oh, I didn't want to be that person in the first place. Right. Stuff like that, where I'm kind of like, eh, maybe let's figure out who you want to be, not who other people are telling you to be. Right. 
Um, but I, I get what you're saying hundred percent. So when, when I, when clients talk about when they want to set, and we've said goals a couple of times and I say outcomes. So in my work, a goal is a direction, it's a name, it's a purpose. And, and they're great. Like they're, they're, they're how we, they're a road to get somewhere. They help us to say what we want. An outcome is what actually happens, right? An outcome is the result. And so I work a lot in outcomes with clients as opposed to goals. And when we want to set an outcome, when, when they're coming to me and they like, a, I want to do this, one of the essential pieces of being able to master our outcomes is that it is I use this acronym master, M-A-S-T-E-R, R is responsible. And responsible means me and not, it, it's cause and it's, it's, am I, am I living at cause or am I living at effect? So if I'm at effect, I am pointing my finger and I'm saying, these are all the circumstances and reasons and wind blowing that I don't have what I want, right? I have a list of excuses and reasons why I can't, I'm not, I didn't, all, all the things. And when I step into, and I like to look at the, some people get like real triggered by the word responsible or responsibility. So when I step into my personal power, when I step back into my power, I am then at cause and I'm controlling the only thing I can control, me my thoughts, the way I show up, I cannot control outside circumstances. I can influence, right? We learn how to yeah. influence other things, but actual control is who I am being. And so the moment I step into cause and I am, I take responsibility for the shitty things that happen <laughs> because of the way I did not show up for myself or the choices that I made, right? I just go, yeah, that was, that was all me. And I now know I have this list of results that I know, okay, I have the power to show up differently in them. And so to master our outcomes, it has to be completely based on us, not on someone else. Just like, just like you, you, you said, it can't be, I'm going to, I'm going to get healthier and I'm going to go to the gym with my significant other. It cannot be based on the significant other showing up to go to the gym because they're because they're going to have stuff and they're going to have. And then all of a sudden, where are you on the path to your outcome, casting votes for yourself when you have tangled in someone else into who's actually responsible for this? Yes, I want to talk about responsibility a little bit more, and then I have questions for you, but. <laughs> A lot of times I'll, clients will say to me, it's not fair that I have to do this work because it wasn't my fault, right? Like mm -hmm. parent puts you on Weight Watchers at age eight and you develop issues with food. It's not fair, right? And something I talk about is like, yeah, it's not your fault. It is not your fault that these things happened. And we all have the responsibility to then make a change and to like you said, make the votes for who we want to be, because otherwise we're still letting that person control our entire life if we're not actually doing the work. And an example I give, you know, so in 2018, a massage therapist tore my hamstring and my calf and my sciatic nerve. And like, yeah, it was a whole thing. And so there was like a lot of like trauma that came from that, right? Because it's like, this isn't my fault. I didn't have insurance. I couldn't afford rehab. 
And I had this limiting belief in my brain of being like, this wasn't my fault. So I shouldn't have to spend money on physical therapy. And it's like, cool, cool. So you're going to lose your leg because the story that you're telling yourself is like, this isn't my responsibility because someone else did this to me. Mm -hmm. So you can have the, and right. You can have the both, like this thing happened and it sucks that this happened and it never Mm should have happened. And now I get to deal with it. You know, I don't have to deal with it. I'm choosing to deal with it because Mm -hmm. I want to be somebody who feels strong and healthy. Now I could just decide to not take responsibility And again, like by taking responsibility, it doesn't mean it's my fault that this happened and I feel shame. It means taking responsibility for the the situation at hand, right? So it's like if somebody hands you a package, like you're not responsible for what happened with the package up until the point where they hand it to you. But once you have it, you get to decide what you want to do with that. And so that's been, you know, and I know that that analogy works for a lot of my clients to get it, but it's like, okay, if I'm going to be stubborn because it's not my fault, you know, and I think it's not my responsibility, then like, she's not fixing my leg, right? Like, could I sue her? Maybe, but like, it's my responsibility to deal with it at this point. And I think a lot of us have this resistance to responsibility, taking responsibility at this current point, because we want to blame everything that got us here, you know? which is exactly being at effect. We want to blame. And when we move into cause, we take back our personal power. This, most of us want to feel empowered. We want to feel strong. We want to feel like we have choice. We want to feel there's options. And when we step back into cause, controlling what we say, do, think, we've taken back that personal power. And we've said, okay, now what? Who do I want to be? How do I want to go forward from this? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So that sounds like a lot of the work that you do with clients, right? And so you mentioned NLP earlier, and I know you do hypnotherapy too, right? So I think we said NLP and then I was thinking about it. I'm like, mm, do people know what that is? Because I don't think I've had an NLP practitioner on here yet. So can you just like explain to us what NLP is, what you do, and also what hypnotherapy is? Because I think a lot of people are like, is that really a thing that works? You know, am I going to like cluck like a chicken? So can I you- love that you said cluck like a chicken because right? that's, that's what thing, I say. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing that everybody thinks of. And I'm like, no, 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 there's, there's some science here. So can you just explain kind of how you use yes. both of those to help people? Yes. Shoulds and- so let's start with hypnotherapy. Uh, really hypnotherapy is aligning the conscious and the subconscious. We say we want something consciously, subconsciously, we sabotage ourselves. We don't show up that way, right? So it's really about, to keep it simple, aligning the conscious and the subconscious. And so we can directly, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. There is, no one ever loses autonomy. This is, you are always in control and you are allowing your subconscious to listen and take in so that your conscious and subconscious can be aligned. I do a ton of hypnosis on confidence, on uh, money, busting through money ceilings. Of course, I've done smoking and weight releasing and things along those lines for people to help them. It's this beautiful way of casting another vote for yourself, of using a tool that's available Your conscious mind is the goal setter. Your subconscious mind is the goal getter, which is why we cannot hustle our beliefs. This is 
So hypnosis is a tool to relieve some of what we have decided that is out of alignment is a simpler way to uh, say that. And so we take you down into trance, which is a very relaxed, extremely relaxed feeling. If you cluck like a chicken, it's because you want to cluck like a chicken. Uh, you know, when you've seen those shows, right? And people are doing crazy things. They want to, you, you cannot be made to do something that you absolutely do not want to do. It's not mind control. It is, it is self, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So it's kind of, I don't know if this is not it at all, but kind of like how people use alcohol to lower inhibitions, right? Where it's like you, you know, your guard is down, right? So people are like, oh, I need alcohol to relax at a party, right? Because you're constantly on guard trying to like maintain this image. And it's like, well, if I didn't care, what would I do? Does that make sense? You know what I'm I think to that's a good, I think that's a good way of, of saying it because in hypnosis, we get the conscious mind busy with mm -hmm. metaphors mm -hmm. and and get it like spinning on stuff that doesn't matter so that we can talk to the subconscious mm -hmm. to get them aligned, to get the conscious mind out of the way, right? Because the conscious mind can only handle this much data. Like it's got its set of this, right? You know, oh, this is how it's got to be kind of a thing that we decide those things consciously. So Mm -hmm. outwardly we decide them consciously so then when we align the conscious and the subconscious then we get to show up as that less inhibited and it feels natural for us yeah. it, feel, it feels much more natural for us I create for my clients then after uh, a hypnosis session I create a hypnotic guided meditation for them okay. to continue to implant the direct suggestions that they have said they want. Mm. So there's no like, you're going to do this. It's all about, okay, Alex, how would you like to feel? What, what feelings and emotions would you like to have? What will you be doing once you are more confident? And then we future cast them in there. I'm feeling this, I'm seeing this. And so there's direct talking, direct suggestion. And then there's all this metaphor so that the subconscious gets it. And the conscious mind is like, huh? What? It stays out of the way. Mm. So that then subconsciously you want to get those goals, right? Like you, you want to do all those things and, or you want to no longer feel, or it helps relieve some of those feelings for that. Was that a good? <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's a deeper version of should shredding or like a way to should shred for people who keep getting in their own way. Like, you know, cause like, so for me, I used to have a lot of social anxiety and I think that was very related to shoulds, right? Like, what should I be saying? How should I look? How should I act? Because you're trying to observe yourself through a third person lens of like, how will these other people perceive me, perceive me? And then when I released all of the shoulds, it was like, I mean, I don't know if you've looked at my Instagram, like I pretty much go everywhere in a unicorn onesie these days because like, I don't know, it's warm, it's fun. Why not? You know, but like, I never would have done that five years ago. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something, well, no, five years ago, I would have maybe like 10 years ago. I wouldn't have, okay. because I was so concerned with 
other people's perception of me and how I should act, think, be blah, 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 right? Because trying to fit in. And now I've literally, so the alcohol example, I've literally had people be like, yeah, I wouldn't do that unless I was drunk. So people think I'm like, you know, using substances all the time. Like I don't drink, but like, you know, but it's because I've released that version of myself. Like my subconscious and conscious mind are a little more aligned on who I want to be. And I don't feel these, these shoulds, but I know for a lot of people that's, there's a lot, I mean, I've been working on this for years. Right. And so a lot of people aren't there yet. And so maybe that's a good way to kind of speed up the process. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. It's a beautiful way to speed up the process and release the stress, right? The perceived stress that came with the shoulds as well. So when I'm confident, clearly in your hypnosis, being confident, releasing shoulds looks like going around in a unicorn onesie. And so we'd see you in the unicorn onesie. I'd have you play this picture in your head and you're talking to people and they're like, man, you're so cool in this unicorn onesie. And like, wow, you really don't, you shredded the shoulds, haven't you, right? Like this, this would be part of the future casting that we're doing. Like, how are you feeling? And, and to just segue that right into NLP, you know what you want. And knowing is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, smelling. We're not just saying, oh, I'm going to write out what I want. No. When, when we talk about knowing what you want, you are diving into a swimming pool of the identity and the outcome. And so if you want to uh, walk around in a unicorn onesie without any thought for what anyone else is going to think. I think this is a beautiful example because a lot of us are like, well, I couldn't do that, right? Like, oh my gosh, we have all these things, all these stories that came up about that, right? And so if this is my outcome that I want, then I am diving into a swimming pool of the outcome. I am seeing myself put it on and having that self-talk about what a badass unicorn I am and I can do whatever I want and I shredded all the shoulds and and I am being I am being an example to other people that they can shred the shoulds too if they want to and I'm hearing this I'm hearing people say wow how cool look at that unicorn and I'm <laughs> feeling this internally and I'm feeling this externally and I am right it's all the things we know what we want and then we dive into a swimming pool of it this is one of the ways that we create outcomes and shift our identity and when we know in nlp and nlp is really like simplified it is the study of excellence patterns and language and so when we see how other people achieve excellence when we can see what we want here then we can start shifting and showing up differently we change our internal representations when we use nlp our brain deletes distorts and generalizes based on our belief and so that's why we cannot hustle our beliefs and it brings because so much comes at us and our beliefs come from uh experiences number one like life experience and what people have given to us as well right like the things that they've spoken over us so if anybody's parent ever spoke you're shy over you oh oh she's shy he's shy kind of a thing you know um you started to believe it even if you weren't shy uh i am not shy however (laughs) uh some people oh you're quiet you're really quiet i just think and process 
And then I have something to say. I'll, I don't just dive in without reading the room. And so, right, but people can speak things over us that we then step into. And so being able to see patterns of excellence, patterns of language, patterns of how to show up differently, this is a really, really simplified version of what NLP is. Yeah, I like that. And there's a lot of should shredding that happens in there, right? You, so much, so much. Yes, the, the whole time we're releasing limiting beliefs, we're releasing limiting decisions of all of those pieces. Yes, reframes, shifting identity, doing so much, which all is ultimately letting go of who we should be, how we should show up and then instead saying, well, I get to, and I notice you just do that. So simply the, I get to's and that's a huge thing that I work with clients on too. I have to versus I get to, and, and the difference in that, because I, I believe we all want choice. We, we all actually want a choice or at least to feel like we have a choice in, in something. Even when my kids were little, I would phrase it as a question, even though it was going to happen, they got the choice of, was it now? Was it in five minutes? Was it right? Like, cause you, you, it, it grows, it builds your self-esteem yeah. and it builds your self-confidence to have a choice, to be trusted, to have a choice. Yeah. I feel strongly about the have to versus get to, because I think that when we use have to language, we feel stuck. And something I'm always talking about is finding opportunity in the overwhelm. So when we feel overwhelmed, it's because it's like, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to, and there's deadlines and there's all these self-imposed things. And even if you are, let's say, so like me working 80 hour weeks while in college, right? I was a double major working eight hour weeks and it was very stressful. And it was like, I have to, I have to, but it's like, Yes. And like, if I were to go back and tell myself something at that point in time, it's like, no, actually you, you get to do this. Cause I didn't have to go to college. I wanted to go to college and mm -hmm. I was willing to do whatever I needed to do to make that work. And so even now, like I've found myself a little overwhelmed with things this month. I think a lot of us are in December, right. Where there's holidays and travel maybe, and I'm trying to get funding for one of my nonprofits. So it's been like grant after grant after grant. And then I'm running my business and it's a busy time, you know, and it's like, but I don't have to be doing any of these things. Like I get to run my business. I get to run this nonprofit and try to find funding for it. If I'm overwhelmed or anyone listening is overwhelmed with holiday stuff, like you get to celebrate holidays with people that you love. You don't have to go. You don't have to do anything. So have to kind of takes away this agency. And it's like, well, even if you're, at a job that's burning you out and you hate it. Like you don't have to stay there. You can find a new job. And then it's like, a lot of my clients will be like, no, I can't. And it's like, well, what is the story that you're telling yourself that you are stuck in this job? Right. And like, yes, we have responsibilities and maybe you have kids and you're, you know, you're worried about that, but there there's always a choice. We just yes. often block ourselves from seeing it, but you know, I love the, I love the unicorn um, onesie analogy too, because I've never been somebody that's like, I want to walk around in a unicorn onesie, but actually where that stemmed from was when I did struggle with social anxiety and confidence being like, I want to be more confident. What does that look like? And I realized, you know, the way that that would manifest was I was dressing the way I thought I should. I was wearing makeup because I thought I should. And so I stopped doing those things. You know, I was like, what, what would this ultimate expression of confidence look like for me? And so it's like, not to villainize like makeup or nail polish or all these things, but it's what, what is my intention behind it? So a lot of my friends use makeup as, you know, like a therapeutic tool or art or whatever. Cool. But if I'm afraid to leave the house without makeup on, 
right? Then again, what's the intention? What's the core belief? So I haven't worn makeup in years. I mean, maybe like once or twice, like I did a photo shoot with some makeup on, but like wanted to go through the process and see what that was like. But, you know, so it's very, what, how do I want to show up? And then the unicorn onesie was just a natural extension of that. Like I literally give zero shits. So like, what, what does that look like? You know? And I think a lot of people want that freedom of expression, but we, we get in our own way about it. So I think that's really, really important. And then as a, as a speaker too, right. So I do a lot of professional speaking and my first talk, I remember I was shaking so bad and I, because I was really concerned with how do I sound? What do all these people think of me? How do I look? And so what that did was that took my energy away from my message Right. Right. And so now, you know, it's like in preparation for it, I am literally only focused on my message. I know you do a lot with mental rehearsal. So is that. That's perfect segue. Beautiful. Like chef's kiss. We can use mental rehearsal for anything. And what you were just talking about is the perfect time to use mental rehearsal. If there's a perfect time, that is a great example of it. And literally you can use it for anything where you want to show up and trust yourself. And so first, the the most important piece of mental rehearsal and mental rehearsal is uh, visualization on steroids. And Olympic athletes use this, Michael Phelps used it to win a gold medal, like uses it all the time. Anybody at the highest high pinnacle of achievement is using mental rehearsal for themselves. The reason that one of the reasons that we use mental rehearsal is your brain does not know the difference between real and imagined. And so why not imagine the successful outcome and release a little bit of that tension and stress and the anxiousness that uh, not having the successful outcome is causing you so many times as humans, because we have the ability to anticipate, we anticipate things going sideways. We anticipate in a direction that doesn't serve us. And so when we get to the successful completion of something and turn around and look back, and if we do that beforehand and we do it mentally, we can relieve some of that anticipation of it not happening the way we want it to happen. So the very first thing of a mental rehearsal is a well-formed outcome. So for Alex, that was, uh, how about standing ovation at the end of your speech? Would that would that have been good? Okay, awesome, awesome. So that was the well-formed outcome was she did this talk and at the very end was a standing ovation. And so what we get to do then is mentally rehearse her going through the prep and having the talk and having the standing ovation and walking off stage. And we do this in our mind. And so again, because we know the outcome, we're diving into a swimming pool. What are we hearing? What are we tasting? What are we feeling internally and externally? What are we smelling? What are we saying to ourselves? How how do we sound? All those things. And so we could see Alex getting ready for the the talk, uh, not putting on makeup, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like taking a shower, maybe doing some breathing or some stretching. Like seeing seeing yourself doing these things, waking up in the morning and saying, this can be a great day. Like I'm gonna kill this talk. It's gonna be so awesome seeing yourself going through the pieces of it, picking out your clothes, getting dressed, driving to the place, whatever it is, standing on stage, uh, taking a big deep breath, delivering the, the speech, being able to see the engagement, tasting the water as you take a sip, feeling the note cards in your hands, if that's what you're, 
like get in, dive into a swimming pool of it, really immerse yourself in it, taking it all the way to everyone's a standing ovation, you know, like Alex has brought the house down and she's walking off stage and just feeling like this amazing expansion because she showed up and delivered in the way that she wanted to. And it made an impact. I love that. <laughs> so you get to see yourself doing all that. That's a mental rehearsal. And I don't know if that took us five minutes to do that. You, It can be shorter. It can be longer. That's completely up to you. Having a well-formed outcome is vital. And then there's like magic sauce that goes on that. So do you have a question before I share the magic sauce? Ooh, I want to know the magic. No, keep going. <laughs> so the magic sauce is getting into our, of course, energy. We don't want to be in wishy, hopey, wanting energy is very different from having energy. And so wanting an outcome is saying it hasn't happened yet is disbelief in some ways. It's this wishy, hopey, like, I wish, I hope. Instead, we get to shift over into having energy, into our of course energy. We all have of course energy. Do not overthink this. Of course, energy is a way that you show up all the time. I know that Alex has two dogs. I think she said two dogs. Uh, so of course, she feeds them. She walks them. She snuggles with them. She plays with them. She's got a ton of, of course, energy around her dogs, just in general. Like, of course, she has, you know, funny names for them and talks in funny voices, like whatever it is with the dogs. Oh, yeah. She's got all this, of course, energy. You have, of course, energy too. If you're listening, your, of course, energy might be brushing your teeth first thing in the morning. There's no question. You do it. It is automatic. This is, of course, energy. Something empowered that you do without question where you just show up in it. It's just, it's just who you are. I drink a gallon of water every day. So the first thing that I do is have a glass of water. This is, of course, energy for me, right? It's like, I don't have to overthink this. It's not something we don't have to make it bigger than it is just find some of course energy if you have a significant other maybe you kiss them good night maybe you like you find some of course energy so call it in close your eyes be in your of course energy see yourself brushing your teeth playing with the dog kissing your kid like whatever it is call in that of course energy this is who you are at your core there's no question call it in now you're going to copy and paste this energy onto your mental rehearsal. Now you're going to show up in your of course energy. Of course I got up and took a shower and brushed my teeth and picked out, you know, this red top that looks the best on me and I feel really great in and blah, 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 did all the things. Of course, we see this mental rehearsal happening for us. So now when we go to do the thing, we have relieved some of the stress because the brain doesn't know the difference between real and imagined. And the brain's like, I think we've been here before. I think we got this. We can do this. We can do this. It's yeah. an amazing tool. It's an amazing tool. I love that. And that's going back to seeing yourself as the person who does these things, right? Because yeah, your brain doesn't know the difference. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. When you become a master at mental rehearsal, you rehearse more than the perfect path. What you know is the out. Come. So the outcome for Alex's talk, the standing ovation, only in as much as this made a huge impact. She delivered the way that she wanted to, and it made it made this like huge ripple effect. This outcome 
is going to happen no matter what comes in between. This is how we truly mental rehearse. When we get like next level on it, that's yeah. an important point of like this outcome is going to happen regardless of what happens in between, because I think some people might be like, wait, but I rehearsed all these pieces. So it has to happen exactly like this. And if I miss a piece of what I envision, then it's all over. And it's like, no, allow that to, you know, you get to start happen. somewhere. See, right. this is us starting somewhere. This is us trying it on, not try, try it on, put it. We can't, I can try. I can't try to put my glasses on. They're either on or off. <laughs> We're going to try, we're going to try it on like a pair of shoes or a new outfit or whatever. Yeah. So try on mental rehearsal. And at first you mentally rehearse the path of least resistance, the best, the best path to the outcome that you want. When you start to get next level on it, you'll do like I do. And I mentally rehearse this, this interview right now, even if there are technical difficulties, even if there's noise and I have to mute, even if, right, all the things that could happen, nothing is going to stop us getting to the end where our conversation was so impactful. And this is your most downloaded episode. See, that's always my welcome. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And so going back to where we started this conversation with Rust being productive, it's like, if we can just be more intentional about things, like how we rehearse, the language that we use, right? It's those simple changes where we can end up doing less. We can reframe and say that, you know, we are actually more productive when our brains and bodies are functioning more efficiently, which comes from rest. But when I, I do a lot of talks on burnout and what I talk about is how we all think it's like demanding work, demanding boss, but really what's burning you out is not meeting your needs and should shaming yourself because it's that shame, that internal shame that, causes a lot of those feelings of burnout. So if we can just kind of go back and make these simple shifts, these language shifts, right? Or doing things like mental rehearsal, trying to be more in our bodies, trying to ask ourselves what we need more, then we're able to do more by doing less. And that's what I want everyone to go into this new year with, you know? Yes, yes. I, and we get to ask ourselves, who am I being and who do I want to be? There's no shame or guilt. You talked about the ballot boxes, right? Who am I being? Am I casting the votes for the version of myself that I say I want? No. Okay. Am I ready to cast a vote in a minute? Or I've got to sleep on it. I need to stop this momentum. I like there. As long as we're starting to recognize and starting to, oh, yeah, I actually am casting a vote and then we're celebrating the vote Ooh. cast, right? Yeah, exactly. The more we'll show up as the human who. Yeah, that version. When we start in those little you, little hinges swing big gates, you talked about New Year's resolutions, right? Which are BS and they also are BS because we, we don't change everything all at one time. That, it, that always leads to failure. Trying to change every single thing at one time. Everything gets overloaded and then you take 10 steps back instead of one step back. So one thing, drink, if you want to, be hydrated. Okay. Are you drinking any water? No. What if you added one glass? And then once you got a glass and you were like, yeah, this is, yeah, I could do this. Well, what if you added two? Like, who would you be being? It really, it gets to be that small because those tiny shifts, as you know, make the biggest impact. We build our self-confidence. We build our self-esteem when we show up for ourselves and we follow through in the little things. 
Yes. Yes. Follow through the little things. I think that's a really good place to leave our listeners with, but if you have any other tips that you want to share, I know that we, you have a really exciting resource that you're going to share with listeners too. So I'm going to link your Instagram and everything else in the description here, but is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? I would have really encouraged you right along with Alex to get curious uh, about who you're being and who you want to be. And to do that in the frame of no judgment, that non-judgmental, who am I being? Who do I get to be? Who do I get to be? Not who should I be? Who do I get to be? And that just asking that question to yourself on a daily basis will really start to, again, release those limits your brain deletes, distorts, and generalizes based on your beliefs. So the moment you start asking better questions of yourself, the moment your filters start shifting to allow in the possibilities of greater thoughts, of expansion, of choice that is you're unable to see when you're not asking yourself the questions. Yes, I love it. All right, folks, that's it. Ask better questions. That we're, that's what we're leaving you with. And we're also going to leave you with a really helpful resource that Mindy's put together on mental rehearsal. So if you're listening to this and you're like, ooh, that sounds interesting. Where do I start? She's got you. It's going to be in the description of this episode. I'll put it up in my Instagram stories too. And this has been so, so helpful. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom. And I really, I mean, I'm not going to tell people what they should do, but I I think you should follow her because she's got some exciting and helpful resources to share. (laughs) So thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Go shred those shoulds.